John chapter 4 tonight. John chapter 4. I want to look at the story of the woman at the well. John chapter number 4 tonight. David and Delight are doing wonderful. They really are. They're church family. I tell you, uh, the group that uh, went really blended well uh, as far as the uh, Panama trip. And I just had had a good time together. I really wanted so bad to show you the pictures tonight. And uh, just again, um, time, there was not enough time to finish it, but hopefully on Sunday. But anyway, it just went really good. And of course, uh, you know, when David and Delight grew up here, and, uh, you know, you just, what a joy it is to see people that, uh, they grew up in church and they, they stayed the course. They did what's right. And uh, God doesn't call everybody to be a missionary, but you can still stay the course. You can still do what's right. And uh, I'll tell you what, just, boy, you, you, you young people right now, you make me a little bit nervous, but uh, God sees what you're going to become. And so we have faith that, uh, in the Lord, obviously, that uh, you'll stay the course and do what's right. Follow the Lord with your life and do what the Lord wants. Amen. Uh, John chapter 4, church family, tomorrow night, uh, I, I felt like I had direction for this message before I left for Panama, and I, and I really do believe it goes and coincides with tomorrow evening um, as far as the soul winning training. Church family, for I don't know how many years we've been just doing soul winning training, usually do it for two or three weeks, and I'm not saying everybody has to come, drop what you're doing, uh, obviously it's a yearly thing, but uh, I would hope that our church would not lose sight of what the main thing is for this church. And church, I'm all, I'm all for us having activities, but activities is not the purpose of this church. The purpose of this church is to get the gospel to everyone. And uh, some of that's giving our faith promise, yes, and going, sending missionaries, but the rest of that is what we do here. You know, as far as talking to people and as the Lord provides opportunities, it's not just a Thursday or Saturday or even a Sunday. It's the being conscious that people are lost, that they're gonna, if they die without the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to go to hell. And uh, I, I think, um, I know the Lord placed us in Lawrence, Kansas, and I, this is the will of God for my life. And if you're here, I, I just have to take for granted it's the will of God for your life also. And we can complain about whichever we want to complain about in Kansas. You can complain about the weather. You can complain about the university in town. You can complain about our being, you know, out of the three major cities of Kansas, we're one of the most liberal uh, cities that there are. And we can say all that, but it doesn't change the fact the Lord put us here. And what he put us here, he put us here to be a witness. I was with uh, Brother Eric is one of David Deal's church members. And uh, the two days, uh, two of the days we went up into kind of mountain areas to go soul winning. And in these areas, I'm not lying to you. Uh, he went, we went to five doors and four out of the five doors people got saved. The first day, I think eight people got saved. And every door he talked to, they just stopped and talked to him. And he got to witness to him. And the, only, and the one door the person didn't get saved because the lady had a baby and she just couldn't stay. The next time that I went out with him, same thing. I was six or eight people on the next day that I was with him. And every person he talked to, they just stopped. You know, and of course, I know these are poor air areas. And they didn't have to rush off or go do something or have other things in their way. But church, I mean, God put us in Lawrence, Kansas. It doesn't matter if they're educated. They're still lost. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And uh, we need to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that we don't lose sight of that. And tonight... I believe that the woman at the well is just another reminder of how important it is for us to be a witness. So would you look at your Bible now in John chapter 4. Let's read, pick it up in verse number 1. It says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Church, can we read responsively? Let's read, we'll just, uh, every other verse, let's start with verse 2 together. Though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, 
which is called Sychar, near to the porcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And once then hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom now that is thy husband in that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in the Spirit and the truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak. Verse 27 says, we're going to read down to verse number 28. Verse 27, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you now to please bless your word tonight. Give us a, again a filling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I sense a little bit that people's either tired tonight or just cold, but Father, would you warm us up spiritually tonight? Help us, Father, Lord, to get what you have. And Lord, may we be ever remindful that you drew us to yourself, you saved us, and you've got a purpose for us to be here, and part of that is to be a witness to tell others, and Lord, help us to be that witness. We ask for boldness in our witness. We ask for desire in our witness. Father, may we have a heart for others. God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this church service, and thank you for the song that was just sung. Our hope is in you. You're a wonderful Savior. Now, Father, please help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just remember, when I look at the story of the woman at the well, we have the greatest soul winner that there ever has been that has given the gospel to a person. In soul winning training, we who are people, men, we try to tell you insight from the Word of God on how to be a better soul winner, a better witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much involved in witnessing. Some of it is, and I don't think there's a spiritual gift to soul winning, but there's a spiritual gift to exhortation. Sometimes it is that God has gifted people in some of that area. In some, in some cases, some people, because of what they were saved from, have more of a heart for somebody who's lost because they can relate, empathize with being blinded to what salvation was and later in life finding it, and they want as many people to find it. Some, and probably most, it's just a matter of obedience. 
The reason that we go out is not because we have a strong desire to or that we have a heart for people necessarily, but we have a desire to please God. And part of pleasing God is being obedient with the Great Commission. But Jesus himself was not just showing the way. Jesus himself was the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And as Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, he is teaching us how to be a witness and how to tell people about Jesus as he's telling this woman about himself. When she asked about the Messiah, Jesus said, I am he which speaketh to thee. Jesus was the only way for her to get to heaven. How many saved tonight say amen? amen. I want you to stop for just a moment before we get running tonight. Would you think about when you got saved? Would you think about where you were at when you got saved? Would you think about how God drew you to salvation, the circumstance, the people, what came about? Do you understand there are no accidents to your salvation? God knew you before you were born. God knew in his foreknowledge that you would be saved. I was talking a little bit to Brother Michael a little bit about foreknowledge, foreknowledge of God and this idea of predestination. And I know what, that predestination goes all the way back to John Calvin when he gave this idea of predestination that God's predestined some people to be saved and some people not to be saved. Can I just tell you tonight, predestination just means foreknowledge. Predestination means that if God is omniscient, which means all-knowing, it's impossible for him not to know who's going to be saved and not to know who's not going to be saved. But when you go to the book of Revelation as well, the book of John, you're going to find that for whosoever will. Just because predestination means God's foreknowledge knows who's going to be saved does not change the fact that God's given every person the free will to be saved. Hey, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What's that? The sin unto death. How does that happen? Free will. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is simply when the Holy Spirit goes to draw a person to be saved and the person rejects that drawing and says, I'm not going to believe that. The sin of unbelief, that rejection of the, hey, you got saved because God said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You were drawn to God by a Holy Spirit. And if you were to keep saying no to that, that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And that's the only sin that will send a person to the lake of fire. Do you understand tonight that God wants us to tell people about salvation because they have a free will. We don't know who's going to accept God and who's not going to accept God. But can I just tell you that we as Christians are supposed to tell as many people as God would allow us to. We're supposed to tell them because that's our responsibility. You talk about the book of Ezekiel and their blood being upon our hands. When we stand there at the great white throne judgment and we see those folks as the angels take them and God Almighty says, depart from me, I never knew you. And he throws them into a lake of fire. I believe that's the time that we're going to look at our hands and think, I knew that person. I worked with that person. I was that next door neighbor to that person. I saw that person on a regular basis at the store. I never gave them a gospel track. I never told them about my salvation testimony. I never witnessed to that person. The opportunities that we have that we don't tell people about Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you that we're all supposed to be a witness and it's not just a cliche and it's not just a Baptist thing. It's a Christian thing. You know, all of us tonight, if we saw somebody that was going to die or somebody that was in, inside of a building that was burning, there's something in our humanity that draws us to get involved to help somebody, somebody that can be hurt, somebody that's going to die. How is it that we as Christians get so cold in our thinking that we're not worried or concerned about the people that we work with, people we come in contact with? The prayer sheet is not just a list of names. It's a, a list of souls of people who don't know Christ as their Savior that you put on that prayer list that we should pray for and that we should be concerned about. Amen. Jesus is here in John chapter 4 telling the woman at the well on how she can be saved, not just who she, who she could know, but how she could have that living water. 
And aren't you glad that if you're saved, there's a wellspring inside of you too? What is the wellspring? The wellspring is the Holy Spirit of God, which enlightens me, that wellspring that enlightens me every time I read the word of God. It's that wellspring inside of me that convicts me of my sin. It's that wellspring inside of me that tells me, give that person a track or witness to this. There's something inside of me. It's God in us. John chapter 4, a picture of witnessing. Jesus is speaking here. I want to just point out some things tonight, if we can, in this passage here about Jesus' giving the gospel plan of salvation. And I think there's things that we should copy. I want you to look at verse number 4 tonight. I'll read verse 3 first. He says in John 4, verse 3, he left Judea, Jesus, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Church family, I know that we can read this any way you want to, but in verse number 4, when it says, and he must needs go through Samaria, I looked at a map. You can look at your maps in the back, not right now, but you can look at maps in the back of your Bible if you want. You're going to find out that where Jesus went from Judea to Galilee, that Jacob's well in Sychar was not a straight, it was not he must needs go through it as if it was on the path. Jesus purposely went to that well. Jesus purposely sat on that well. You say, how do you know that? Because he was God. It, there, it was not necessary for him, for him to go to Judea, to, to Galilee, and to be able to go to that without going out of his way. And, and, and I don't know, I can't tell you how many miles. They say from what I've read from Judea to Galilee was a 70-mile journey, which was a two-and-a-half-day uh, walk. But he went out of the way to go to that well. Just like, can I just tell you tonight that Jesus, by example... When it comes to soul winning, it must be on purpose. He must needs. Jesus knew that that woman at the well would show up there. Jesus knew that the people and the men of Sychar would come out and they would be saved by the time you get to the end of the chapter. She's not the only one that got saved. It was on purpose. Listen to me tonight. People are not going to get saved unless you do it on purpose. Hey, stop living this Calvinistic soul winning lifestyle. Well, if God wants me to win somebody, they'll, they'll come to me. That's Calvinistic. Jesus didn't say, if they come to you, tell them. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. He said, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. You cannot get around the fact. It's not about them coming to you. It's about you going to them. I know what you're thinking, though you don't say it. It's cold in Kansas. Just remember, I want to tell you something. I have mellowed in my old age. You that have been with me for a long time, you remember the days we went every Thursday, every Saturday, and the weather did not matter. It's snowing outside, and we all didn't know any better. It's the day you go soul winning. You don't have to say anything. I know. Can, can, can I just remind you tonight that yes, we are in Lawrence, Kansas, and I wish I could take you all to Panama, and I wish that every person that you could talk to, as I did on those days, that they stopped and listened. And the majority of every person we talked to, they opened up the Bible, went through the entire plan of salvation, they bowed their head and prayed and accepted Christ as their Savior. And I know when you come to Lawrence, Kansas, you knock on a door, and they slam the door in your face, and they look at you in disgust, and they think you're some crazy person. But church family, they will remember one day, just like the, the rich man in Luke chapter 16, where the Bible says he remembered, they will remember a time that someone gave him a track or told him about the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're going to be happy that you did. 
But you have to witness on purpose. You have, to, you have to soul win on purpose. I'm not telling you tonight you have to go out and blow zero weather. We didn't do track distribution, no flyer distribution today. When I got up this morning and it was three degrees outside, I said, we ain't going out on flyer distribution. Makes you wonder if in heaven God thinks how carnal that is. But, you know, we think to ourselves, hey, listen, there's no sense. No, they're not going to listen to us anyway. But just, can I just tell you, if you don't have a plan on, on how you're going to make it happen, Jesus must needs go through. Jesus planned. Jesus purposely made a time to go. Hey, I, listen, I look at some of you, and you to, to me, you're the sweetest people on all the earth. I love the Heritage Baptist Church, and I love you very, very much. And some of you are sweetest. And I know soul winning's hard for you. I, I'm not just telling you, it's not easy for me either. I don't like going to a total, total stranger's door. And I, know that, and I know everybody's different. But nobody, I, I, I would like to think that I'm part of the majority in here. It goes against our grain to talk to a stranger. It goes against our grain to try to talk to them about salvation. And especially goes against our grain when we've had so many people reject the gospel. But church family, we don't know if it's the last time they're going to have an opportunity to be saved. We don't know if that's the last breath that they're going to breathe. We don't see these people after, after we talk to them. We don't see them again. We try to do the thinking for them. Oh, they wouldn't want me. They don't want to talk about it. We try to do the thinking for them. They're, they're going to think I'm some just crazy person. Can I just tell you, you need to set a time in your life to go soul winning. I know Thursdays and Saturdays is not the only time people get saved. But I do understand this, and listen to me tonight. If you don't have a set time to go, you don't go. You say, Pastor, that's, that's for the preacher and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers. Show me a verse on that. Last time I looked at Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, it says, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. All of us are supposed to be soldiers. You say, Pastor Hanks, I don't have the health. It's not about having the health. Do you, are you conscious of lost people? Do you carry tracks with you? Oh, I want people to be saved. And you don't have one gospel track in your purse. You, on a regular basis, leave the house, and you don't have any gospel tracts where you, you can say, hey, listen, I just want, when you get a chance, would you at least read that? It's got some Bible verse, be a blessing. I mean, there's so many ways you can give the gospel. It doesn't have to be you're dying and going to hell. Hey, all I'm trying to say is that Jesus, he was salvation, and Jesus purposely went through Samaria. So the first thing I see about soul winning is it must be on purpose. Look at the next thing. Y'all are quiet tonight. I'm, I'm just glad I can preach to me. Verse number six says this. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being what? Wearied with what? Wearied with his journey. That word wearied means to feel fatigue. Now I know what you're thinking tonight. I, I would go, but I don't feel like it. Jesus didn't feel like it either. Hey, the disciples went into town. Jesus is sitting there by the well. This woman comes out. I don't know about you. Jesus was still man, though he was God. And I, don't, I can't completely put my mind around that, that he, the humanity of Christ and the divinity of Christ, I can't completely understand that. I take it by faith. But I do understand for the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that Jesus, that he was tempted in all points as we are, which means physically speaking, just like this says here, he was wearied with his journey. He felt fatigue. He was tired. I look out in the auditorium tonight, and there's so many of you that are in your work clothes tonight. But you had the character tonight to come to church, even though you missed supper tonight, and you came straight from work to come here. 
Can I tell you, there has to be a certain amount of that same type of character when it comes to soul winning. When it comes to being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't feel like going. I, I, goodness gracious, I work 50, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and then I go to church, I don't miss a service, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then we got these soul winning times, and I, I just can't do it all. All I'm trying to say is, if you're going to be a witness for, the Christ, for Christ, you're, you're going to do it on purpose. And number two, you're going to have to do it when you don't feel like it. When you're weary, when, when you're tired, when Saturday's your only day off, can I just tell you, you're going to have to find a time. And, and it's always not conducive to how we feel because I want to tell you, it's easy to find an excuse for not wanting to go soul winning. Look what else I see here in, in your Bible tonight. Look at verse number seven. Not only... Did Jesus go out on purpose in verse number four when he was weary in verse number six? In verse number seven, it says this. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away from the, unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria, look what she says. <coughs> says unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Church number three, this is interesting to me. Can I say this first, the history of this? Do you remember the Assyrian captivity and then, of course, the Babylonian captivity? The Assyrian captivity to Israel was when the ten tribes went into captivity. And then, of course, you have the Babylonian captivity, the last two tribes. But during that Assyrian captivity, when those um, Israelites were taken captive, if you remember correctly, there was a small remnant left. And I remember now, Samaria is the capital of the ten tribes. Jerusalem is the capital of the two tribes. Uh, Judea, uh, the Judah and the two tribes go into captivity about 150 years later. But in the Assyrian captivity, a few of those Israelites were left behind. And what did Esau hate? And I think that was the king of Assyria. What did he do? He sent uh, Assyrians back to Samaria in that area to repopulate. Since he took all, those, all the Israelites into captivity, left some of the Israelites, and he sends back some of the Assyrians. Remember what happened to them? Lions started eating them. <laughs> and so the king of Assyria decides to send a couple priests back. To, say, to try to get the priestly worship back together so lions would stop eating his people. But think about it for a second here. Those Assyrians married those Israelites that were left behind after the Assyrian captivity. That's where you get a Samaritan. They were a half-breed. They were half Assyrian. They were half Jew. So when the woman at the well says to Jesus, what are you talking to me for? Because the Jews, true Jews, do not have any conversation, do not have any dealings with us Samaritans, have to. So to the thought is simply this. Can I just tell you when it comes to soul winning, Jesus told people about Christ without prejudice. Without prejudice. Without prejudice. Hey, listen to me. Is it too warm in here? Are you okay? Are you doing all right? Shake your head so I know you're breathing. All right? I was gone this week and... Uh, and they had a teen activity, and a couple of the kids, Brother Michael, and it's taken care of, so it's not a big deal now, but Brother Michael was relating to me that some statements were mentioned that were off color as far as the kind of statements that should have been said with the teenagers, okay? And, and the parents took care of it, and I'm so glad. And Michael related everything to me. He did what he's supposed to do while I'm gone. He went straight to the parents, and from what I understand, the parents took care of it. I'm very thankful of that. And so it's over with us. That's behind us. But I want to tell you something. This is what, it goes so along with what we're talking about tonight. You know, can I just tell you, first of all, 
I am sick and tired of what's going on in America about this political correctness because they've made the pendulum go way too far the other direction. I'm coming through the, through the airport yesterday and they got a whole section of the airport marked off with the, the black, a black fella speaking and praising and talking about how, you know, their black history and, and how they've been so cruelly affected. I just want to tell you something. Some of that's hogwash. You call me a racist, you can call me whatever you want. But this is foolishness. Acts says we are all of one blood. It's not if you're black or white or green polka dot. If you slice yourself, we're all bleeding red. I'm sick and tired of this racist stuff. We're human souls that God created upon this earth. And we're not, you're not any better because you're white or black or green or yellow. If you're pink, I don't know about that. But you know, when Jesus saw the Samaritan woman come out, he didn't say to himself, like most Christians would have, by the way, like the disciples, you ever thought about that woman was coming out from the city to the well how come those disciples that left Jesus go into the city, how come they didn't talk to her? In fact, when the disciples came back, you look down a few more verses, what did the disciples say to themselves? I can't believe he's talking to that woman. Hey, listen to me tonight. We cannot be prejudiced because of what religion they were from. We can't be prejudiced of what nation they're from. We cannot do that. We have to look at, understand this one thing, that it's souls that die to go to hell, not color. We can't be prejudiced. We can't say to ourselves, well, that guy's rich. He deserves to go to hell. That person's poor. They deserve to go to heaven. Who are you? We're not God. You ought to be just thankful God didn't look at you that way. He, 2 Peter 3, 9, he's not willing that should any, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants every person to be saved. I've known people before in the past that when it comes to uh, either sometimes it's an age factor as far as a, a child or something, well, I don't, I don't do children's ministries. Well, what are you trying to say? They, they don't need to be saved? I've, I've met people before that, they, like uh, if a person's Jehovah's Witness, well, they're a Jehovah's Witness, you know, they're, they already, they're, they're so staunch in what they believe they can't be saved. I'm glad Thomas Hodgson, I'm glad Brother Nearing didn't think that when he talked to Thomas Hodgson. Hey, when it comes to soul winning and being a witness for the Christ, we've got to be, do it on purpose. We have to do it even when we're weary. We've got to do it without being prejudiced. In other words, church, what does is, what is the word prejudice mean? It means to prejudge. We cannot come up in our mind whether or not someone, you're not the jury. God is. We can't decide if they can or cannot be saved. That's why it's back to whosoever will. Look at something else tonight. If you're with me, say amen. How many is ready for me to stop? Say amen. Okay, just make sure you're awake. Okay, good. Look at verse number 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Read verse 14 out loud, ready? But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Church, I mean, this is kind of interesting. 
When I look at Jesus as far as his witnessing, he used the simplicity of water to illustrate the idea of salvation. Now think about this for a second here. He says to her, I wish I I was going to get a cup of water tonight, I forgot, but he says, he uses this idea of water and he says, listen, can I get me a drink? He says, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. He says, hey, listen, uh, if you give me a drink, I could give you a drink. The drink I'm going to give you is everlasting. She says, hey, give me some of that. In other words, she could relate to the simplicity of a a drink of water. Shushan, can I just tell you, just like a person chooses to have a drink of water, and just like a drink of water refreshes, strengthens, there's a certain amount of power in that water when you think about it as far as what we drink. Do you understand? That's what salvation is. We choose whether or not a person is going to be saved. And when we drink that living water, it does something for us spiritually when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. And that's what becomes the well of living water, that spring that is springing inside of us. He made it simple. He made it simple. I got saved when I was 11 years old, and there's people who are 30 and 40 that they can't put a grasp or a handle on something. It's too simple. That's the way Jesus made it. Aren't you glad you didn't have to do a, go through a 10-week course in order to be saved? Yes. All you had to do is see from the scriptures, faith cometh by hearing, hear by the word of God. Amen. For all have sin and come short of the glory of God. I can't make it to heaven because I'm a sinner. But aren't you glad, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the what? Yes. Gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I can understand that. Yes. First Corinthians talks about that. You won't turn to it, I think. I've got it here, but. He says in the book of 1 Corinthians, in uh, chapter 11, verse 3, But I fear lest that by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Hey, why, why is it that in the children's services, so many, that I think it's like 85% of people get saved in their elementary years. Why is it that so many people accept Christ? Because a child thinks to himself, hell, heaven. Believe, not believe. I think I'm going to believe. It's simple. Hey, teacher, I'm sorry, teacher training, uh, sewing training tomorrow night. It's not about how deep we can get into the word. It's almost how shallow. How easy this is. I get to go to heaven because Jesus took my place. How much easier can that be? Simplicity. Jesus uses water to show the simplicity of salvation. Church family, when you follow the rest of this, I, I'm always in, uh, amused by Jesus witnessing to this woman and saying, uh, go call your husband. <laughs> Have everybody asked anybody to ask you a question that was a leading question because they knew where they were going before they asked the question? I mean, can you imagine Jesus who knows everything? Hey, go call your husband. Oh, yeah, you don't have one, do you? You've had five husbands. <laughs> Jesus was not trying to put her on the spot. Jesus was simply trying to get her to acknowledge her sin. Oh, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> now, church, I mean, we can't see a person's life like Jesus could. But the principle there is that Jesus said, you've got to acknowledge your sin if you're going to be saved. There's so many things about soul winning and things that we can learn, learn from this. Obviously, Jesus was pointed to himself because he was the way of salvation. What do we have to do as soul winners? We have to point people to Jesus Christ because he's the way of salvation. But when I look at the story of Jesus Christ with the woman at the well here, it just reminds me again that if I'm going to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to have to be on purpose. If I'm going to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got to do it when I don't even feel like doing it. If I'm going to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got to do it without prejudice. I can't pick and choose who I think is going to get saved or who deserves to get saved. 
If I'm going to be a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got to make sure I do it with simplicity. It doesn't, it's not one of these things, I don't know how to go soul winning because I don't know how to present it. Are you saved? Pretty simple. How did you get saved? It's not a matter if you were at a camp or a church or at home. How did you get saved? The drawing of the Holy Spirit showed you that you were a sinner and that you deserved to go to hell, but Jesus died for you. And by faith, you believed and received by calling him and asking to be your personal Savior. It was that simple. That's why he said childlike faith is what saves a person. Tomorrow night's not about finding out something new on how to be a better soul winner. Tomorrow night's just simply a reminder that what Jesus did is what we're supposed to do. Show people how they can go to heaven. I always like the end of the story here uh, about the woman at the well. Would you look at it with me real quickly? In chapter number 4, jump down to the end. I'm going to go down to verse number 39. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of who? Of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So she went and brought people to Christ. Verse 40, So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Verse 42 says, And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You know, in Panama, there's so many poor, so many poor, people, poor people, and yet so many, people, so many of those people are, are open. And then, you know, you come back to the United States, and boy, are we blessed as a nation. But with that blessing, so many people have allowed prosperity to blind their eyes because of education, because of money. But it doesn't change anything. Every one of us is like that woman at the well. We're all sinners needing a Savior. And Jesus Christ is that living water. They, they need that living water. Hey, listen, tomorrow night's not magical. And tonight's message was not so ready to come out tomorrow night. Really, it wasn't. This was the message for the hour. But can I just tell you, all of us are supposed to be witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, whether we want to or not, whether we like it or not. We're saved on our way to heaven, and God left us here to do just that. Amen. Don't you find it amazing that we're ta- in Revelation class, we're talking about this a little bit. Isn't it amazing that even after we get raptured out of here, and all those who've heard the gospel can't be saved, obviously, the Bible says they're going to be able to leave a lie. But all the people who have not heard the gospel, God still sends 144,000 Jews back to tell them how they can be saved. Amen. You know why? Because he wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to be saved. Brother McMacken, how long have you been saved? Or when did you get saved? Since 12. 2012. No. I'm sorry, since age 12. Since age 12. Trusted Christ at age 12. That was 90 years ago. <laughs> uh, when did you get saved, Brother Daniel? Age 13. Age 13. How old when you got saved? I was 11 years old sitting on the stage. Don't even try. <laughs> no, I was 11 years old for us. Are you sure you're even saved? I'm just joking. I just say 11 years old. When did you get saved? 14 years old. 14, Mrs. Smith? 11 years old. Brother Smith? I'm not sure about you either. I mean, I can't think of the age, about 50. About 15, you said? Yeah. 15 years old, trust in Christ, your Savior. You're about to start a church. I never did ask you. Are you saved? <laughs> when did you get saved? Uh, when I was 18. 18 years old, trust in Christ, your Savior. Same when you got saved. Four years old. Jake? How old? 20-something, accepted Christ as Savior. John, when did you get saved? 
21 years of age. That's right. Josh, when did you get saved? 22 years old. Josh, when did you get saved? 13. Daniel, when did you get saved? Five years old. When did you get saved, Zoe? 12 years old. Hey, we'll tell you something. Don't forget it. I'm telling you, there's a host of people that they don't know. Better be thankful the day you got saved. I want to tell you something. The more you thank God about how you got saved, I think it does do something for us inside that I need to tell somebody else how they can be saved. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight?